is gone. They have a saying in America that um, you haven't begun to preach until the sweat is pouring down your back. Well, I guess I'm really anointed this morning because it's, <laughs> it's hot here. And that's a good thing. It's all right. It's good to be here. Good to be here. And so, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I've, uh, at Kathy and I, and she's with us, a long, I mean, a real longing, and the bishops know it, uh, to be here in the Philippines for some years now. The last time we were here was 2019, and uh, we attended a convocation. And it, and I've shared this with everybody in the United States, it was probably the most anointed time that, that I've been in for 30 years. I mean, God just showed up. And so I have an expectation that this convocation that's coming up is really going to be powerful. That God is doing something and we can expect something. <clears throat> and we, we know, we know, don't we, that sometimes when things get hard, and sometimes when, when things happen that seem to us uh, not to be good, that God takes those things and converts them and uses them for a greater glory. That the church is not afraid of suffering. The church is not afraid of heartbreak. And the church is not afraid of, of persecution and trial. And Jesus tells us we're going to have these things. But he says, you know, have faith. He's overcome the world. He's overcome, and we're part of that. And I'm going to share a lot on that. So we've gone through a hard time. Put that down there. That will be great. Thank you, Stephen. Um, is it years long to be here? And the reason was is COVID. The reason we couldn't come is because of COVID, and it just hit everybody. And um, a lot of people were lost during COVID. Uh, and you know, all around the world, the Philippines got hit really hard. America got hit really hard. And uh, there's a list of people in my church at Cathedral at Home who went home to be with the Lord during COVID. Others who got it really bad, and we just thank God they're healed and they're still with us. And so um, it's been great that that's over, <laughs> and we and we can move on. And we are going to move on. I have lots and lots of good memories about the Archbishop. And I'm not going to share all of them. I'm sure during the day we're going to hear all kinds of good things. But one memory, I'm just thinking so many. I first met, I first met Archbishop in California at... Um, the first international convocation in San Clemente. And the bishops all lined up, you know, and, you know, for the procession. And I forget how many there were, but I was consecrated a bishop right in the middle of the Filipino consecrations. So I was surrounded by all the Filipino bishops. So there are all these people about this tall. <laughs> 
and me in the middle. I felt like a giant processing in. And that's where, that's where I first met Bishop Alcarez, and he came back to my church. He flew to New York, and uh, he preached at, at, um, at the Cathedral Church of the Intercessor, one of the best sermons I've heard in my life. It was really anointed. And we spent some time together, and from that moment, we've just shared all these things of traveling around the world, but uh, one of my favorite, favorite memories in 43 or 44 years of ministry, I don't remember, is when Bishop Alcarez was installed as a primate. That event was so great, and I've been to a lot of really great events, and I just remember the moment Every once in a while, it puts a smile on my face, big time. It's when all the clergy started dancing around like a Congo line. And they were dancing around, and we were singing, Happy Days Are Here Again. And it was just great, and the spirit was so present. And the happy days were here because we, had a, we knew we had a humble servant leader. We didn't have it, somebody who was seeking position, he was a humble servant, and he saw himself as a servant of the people, and uh, that he was here not to rule over people, but to serve. And uh, so when I first got word of Archbishop going home to be with the Lord, from that moment I longed to come back here, and I said to the bishops, I said, when I, as soon as this thing is over, I'm going to be on an airplane, and I'm going to be flying to the Philippines. And we're going to gather. I didn't know we were going to do an internment, but I said, we're going to gather as a, as a province and give thanks to God for his life and to let his family know how much we love him and how much we love you. So that's what today is about. There's a lot of scriptures I could have used this morning, but I'd like to talk to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and, and uh, you all know the scripture. It's the one about love. And to give you some context, Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians had a lot of problems. And uh, Paul's writing this pastoral letter, but it's a corrective letter. He's basically saying, Get your act together. But you've got things going on, and it's not of God. And so he starts writing in chapter 10 about worship. 10, 11, and 12 are about worship. Chapter 10 is about the Eucharist. And then 11 and 12, he talks about prophecy, you know, and, uh, and how and do decently and in order. And then all of a sudden, he stops this conversation about worship, and he's going to pick it up again in chapter 14, and we get chapter 13. And he says, now charismatics. Anybody here a charismatic? I mean, you know, I'm a tongue-speaking charismatic. Amen? I believe in prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. I believe in healing. I believe in deliverance. I think it's meant for the church today. You know, I'm not ashamed to be a, a charismatic and I'm not ashamed that I pray in tongues. Uh, but he stops and he says, look, guys, if I speak 
in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noising gong and a clanging cymbal. Now, what does that mean? It, it's saying there, you can speak in tongues and not have love. That's possible. Speaking in tongues is not evidence that you have love in you. And then he goes on and says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, now most of us don't even know any of the mysteries. But saying you understood every single mystery in the world, all the knowledge, and you have all the faith. Our Archbishop was a man of faith. Amen? He taught faith, lived faith. But even all that faith, if you have that, the faith even to remove a mountain. I'm not good at that. I've tried. We had a mountain in the first church I served called Mount Wachusas. And I was just coming into the Lord and charismatic. And I stood at the foot of that mountain and I said, Mountain, be moved. And guess what happened? Nothing. So let's say we have the faith even to do that. But have not love, I am nothing. This is getting on my chasuble. That's what they call it in Hollywood, a costume problem. So anyways, he said, it's possible to do it. Then he goes on and he defines love, right? Love is kind, love is generous. Love, you know, and I always tell people, if you want to make a confession to God, take verse 4, remove the word love, and put your name there. Because say, Craig is kind, Craig is patient, Craig does not envy, Craig... You'll have a great confession by the time you get to the end of that. And, uh, but to move on, then he goes through all of this, and he comes to the end, and this is the verse I want, want you to hear about what we're doing today. He said... Everything, everything is passing away, but these three remain. These are eternal. These are never going away. When you get to heaven, when Jesus comes back, these three things will endure, and we know what they are, right? Faith. We have faith. If Paul says, if you don't have faith, you know, you won't, the resurrection is in vain. We have hope. We have hope of the resurrection, right? That remains. No matter what, I hope when I'm on my deathbed, I have hope. And then, but he says, the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And those three things here are invisible. You can't see faith, you can't see hope, and you can't see love. What you can see is the consequences of those things. John 3, right? Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, that whole narrative. And Jesus says the spirit is what? Like the wind. Now, you can't see wind. All you can do is feel wind. And you can see the consequences of wind. 
Now, you folks are familiar with typhoons. You know the consequences of a strong wind. Okay? It, it can do damage, terrible, terrible damage. We got hit just this last year with a hurricane. We call them hurricanes. And South Florida got hit. And it destroyed billions of dollars of homes and boats and cars and just total devastation. Wiped out bridges in a matter of an hour. That's the wind. It was all wind damage. So we can see that. Or we can see a gentle breeze. You know, you ever get one of those where you're just sitting and it's hot like this, but all of a sudden a breeze goes by. It's like God's recreating the universe, isn't it, at that moment. You just go, ah, that feels good. But we don't see that breeze. You know, we can get, go out in the morning, we look at the leaves. We got up early this morning, uh, thanks to our neighboring roosters, and uh, looked out the window, and the, the, there's a, just a slight breeze. It wasn't much, but I could see that. And just stood there for a while, and that breeze was gone. So what he said, here's these unseen things that will exist forever, but you can't see them. And the church confesses every Sunday we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. We believe in those things. And that invisible includes a lot, but what it really is, is that faith, hope, and love. That's the invisible that we live our life in as Christians. And that. So Paul's going to write, and Jesus is going to say, what, what, what is, here's my commandment. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't drink. Go to church every Sunday. Read your Bible. Pray. Give lots of money, especially to the bishops. Right? No, he says, this is the commandment I leave you. Love, invisible, love one another, how? As I have loved you. Also invisible. The only way I know if God loves you is if you tell me. That God loves you. You only know, you know your love of God. It's the same love. We're all loved. And I can say, this is how God loves me. But it's really just the same love you're loved with. And yet it's different. But it's invisible. And yet for me, I don't know for you, but I know about Bishop Ricardo, that love motivated everything that he did. That love that Je I'd had conversations with. It was that love that Jesus had for him that encouraged him, motivated him, empowered him to do what he did. And that's why we say he was a man of God. Not because he was perfect. No. Not because he, he was a great scholar. Not because he did all this other stuff, prayed in tongues or did miracles or what we is a man of God because all of us who knew him knew that what motivated him and empowered this church was the fact that he was loved by Jesus and he wanted to love those around him. That was the smile on Bishop Alvarez's face. That love of God. 
And I'm thankful that the bishops here and the clergy that serve us understand that. That they're operating not out of seminary knowledge, Lord have mercy, but they're operating out of this love that God has shown them, which is eternal. And they're following that, that love. So the whole, when the Holy Spirit moves, we can't see it. But we know it's that Holy Spirit, that love that gives us life. That's what life is all about. We were created male and female, no other options. And the reason we were created male and female is so that we could love. <laughs> That's why we were created male and female, so that we could love one another. Man, what a great witness of Nemia and, and uh, Archbishop. Uh, uh, it was a relationship of love. I've been with them and seen it and watched it. Now, that was always easy. See? And I tell people, Kathy and I, we've been married 52 years. I tell you, we, we never fight. That's because we're born again. You know, but of course, we've had arguments. I said, but we how, did, how did we do it? You love one another. Sacrificially love one another working through loving one another, hard times loving one another, good times loving one another. It's holding on to that love that you have and not forgetting that those invisible things that bind you together. And you know, when you, when you love like that, I tell, when you love like that, anybody who's been married for a long time here, you begin to think alike. You know what I mean? I tell people, Kathy and I can have, walk into a room and have a conversation about somebody in that room and never say a word. We'll know exactly what each one of us are thinking. But we can listen to something. Why? Because we just know each other. I know her voice. If she calls me on the phone, I don't say, who's this? <laughs> right? I know her voice, and I know what she's going to think about something before I decide to do it. You know? I don't have to ask requests. Why? Because we love each other, and we've communicated that message of love. And out of that, see, out of that love, we created. We didn't really create. We took part in God's creation, and we ended up with three children. And then we have nine grandchildren. And it all comes from that love. That that's God's called us to participate in it. And God loves us that way. And as we dwell in that love, we can begin to hear his voice. We begin to know how he thinks. The more and more, the longer, more time we spend. Not that it's going to get you into heaven or not into heaven. You learn what real love is. And that's the message of the church that God loves us, that God, everybody that's created, everybody that you'll meet today is created to be loved by God the same way you're loved. That's what they're created for. And our task is to go and say, you are loved, and how do I know that? Because God loves me. And if God loves me, he can love you. And he does love you. And so that's the move of the Spirit, and that love is eternal. It cannot die at the grave. 
faith, the love, what a great family Bishop Ricardo and, and Nemia have. But they know the love that your father has hasn't stopped. It's eternal. It's there. And it'll be there until you see him again. It'll be there. That love that was put into you is now being passed on to others. That's why I love grandchildren. Their grandchildren are a blessing. And you can see the inheritance that you passed on. Kathy and I and all the grandparents, you passed on something that God had given you. That love. And grandparents desire the best for their children. I love, I love my children, but my grandchildren can light up my day. Just by being there. They don't even have to do anything. They just show up. My wife is already planning what gifts she's going to bring back to the grandchildren. She planned that on the plane over because she's going to be delighted to see them, right? You come and what the Bible said is any time we experience that love, we've experienced God. Think of the moments you've known when you were most loved. That's God. You follow me? Because God is love. And love will never be defeated. And it's love that defeats Satan. Satan has the inability to love. Complete inability to love. And that love will, will destroy evil and it has for the last 2,000 years of the church. And so we come today, certainly throughout the day, we're going to honor the Archbishop, and that's a good thing. I wish, we haven't even started, I wish we could honor him more than we're going to do today, you know, because he was a great man. But we're really coming today, and this is what I know he would want us to do. He was a man who loved Jesus. He knew Jesus loved him. And he would want us, he would want us to say, okay, there's a time to mourn. Mourning's just evidence that we love a person. You know? That's all it is. If you didn't mourn, it meant, like, if somebody dies, you say, oh, he's gone. That's, you know, that's not love. Oh, it's over. Or, you know. No, you mourn, you miss them. There's a hole there. And uh, it'll never be filled by anybody else because it's her. That's where they, they were in your life, and it's now empty. But we have hope that we're going to see him again. So we come. What he would want us to do today is celebrate the love of Jesus that was so powerful that when he was put in a grave by hate and evil, and lies and deceit. And they thought, and Satan smiled and said, now we got him. There was Sunday morning, and that love conquered the grave, and it will conquer our grave. Amen? Amen? Let's stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.